Hey there. Welcome to Cantorian. You. It's great to be with you. <laughs> uh, great chat with Troy Johnson coming up. Troy's an old friend. We, uh, we kind of, I don't know how to put it. We came through San Diego media together. We're about the same age. Troy's a little younger than me, but uh, we started in media around the same time here in San Diego. And uh, at least my time at 91X, and he was a local music writer at that time. And then he segged into food writing, also wrote a book, which is amazing. And we'll talk about that with him momentarily, about growing up with a gay mom in the 80s. And then he started doing all the stuff on the Food Network, in addition to his time at San Diego Magazine. So dude's put in this time, man, and uh, really awesome conversation. Not afraid to get real, Troy Johnson. And I think that's why uh, we do get along so well. And it's just interesting to see how our lives have, not only our professional lives, but our personal lives have paralleled each other, you know, in several fronts. So More on that in a bit. Right now, though, before we get to our sponsors, I did want to thank our patrons, man. You guys are friggin' amazing, and you melt my heart. We started up a Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash. I'm getting a phone call. I'm going to send this to voicemail. I'm sorry. It was just buzzing. You couldn't hear it, but it was distracting me. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash U, Y-E-W, and uh, if you pledge, it just helps with the network. I'm, we have so many costs when it comes to streaming. I don't, I don't even want to bring it. It just, it just helps keep things up. That's all I'll say. This isn't going to a beer fund or anything like that. Uh, it's just to help with operations. And I want to thank a couple of folks here. Jennifer for her $10 pledge. Uh, Mike Hodges for his $25 pledge. Dave Cannon for his $25 pledge. Jason Parr for his $10 pledge. I appreciate you, Jason, so much. Uh, As well as Butch. Butch, are you kidding me? A $25? Butch, you can't afford $25 a month. (laughs) I love you, Butch. And uh, Forrest Henderson, another one, $25 a month, man. You guys mean the world to me. All the $25 pledges will get hooked up with some UT shirts from the U store. Uh, Let's see. Who else here? Um, Oh, man, this is the one that just gets me. Sonia, I'm not even going to say your last name because I don't want to, maybe I'm going to, I don't want to embarrass you, but Sonia is pledging to our Patreon $100 a month. I mean, that's just, that's that's next level shit. And Sonia, I, I really don't know what to say other than thank you and man, it, it's, it's humbling. And as a hundred dollar pledge, you know, that's so much. I'm, I'm actually having to go to the page and find out what you get. <laughs> so I'm on uh, patreon.com forward slash you. And let's see, Sonia, let's see what your hundred dollars is going to get you this month. We call this one the, you make my dreams, a Hall and Oates reference. So Sonia, in addition to a item from the used store, I mean, I'll hook you up with everything, hat, t-shirt, socks, mug. You also get exclusive content from the Patreon U platform. You'll be on the list at all our monthly events. Plus, you'll get 30% off online purchases for as long as you pledge. But you also get to attend a podcast or a video shoot 
and we're going to give you a producer credit. So, without further ado, while we wait on getting Sonia down here or at a video shoot, I want to uh, dedicate this episode of Cantori and You with Troy Johnson to Sonia. This episode is produced by Sonia. Thank you to our sponsors, ToriHolistics.com. The crew at Tori have been so kind to me. They're doing groundbreaking stuff over there, and they recognize what we're doing here, which is why they've signed up and uh, they're helping us out with the platform. And Tori Holistics is a legal, licensed, safe access point for medical marijuana or products in that realm, if you will, non-psychoactive products. And uh, they've got everything there. So if you're interested in the movement or what's going on, I highly recommend you check out this shop. I know there are other shops in town, and I can just tell you these people are legit. They've been in the community forever. They're family people. They uh, have other businesses. They're, they're just good people, I'm telling you. I, I wouldn't work with bad people. I don't last working with bad <laughs> You know that about me, man. So I appreciate you supporting our sponsors. If you head on in there, just mention you so they know that uh, you're listening and you're responding and engaging. And that goes for uh, South Coast as well. South Coast Surf Shops, another family operation here in town since 1974. The crew there, as sold as it gets, and uh, they've been helping out as well. So if you want to purchase stuff, summer is here. Summer is here. I couldn't be more excited. And uh, if you need summer attire, gear, please shop at South Coast. And when you go there, mention you, and uh, they'll give you a discount, man. They're doing like 10 15% off right now at southcoast.com. At checkout, if you put in you, Y-E-W, exclamation mark, got to include that, you'll get, uh, I'm pretty sure it was 15%, maybe 10 I think it's 15% off all merch at uh, southcoast.com. So please take advantage of that. Troy Johnson, Cantor and You, produced by Sonia. So I'm sitting here with Troy Johnson at his house. This is... This is like 1994 for me, buddy. Well, it kind of looks like 1994, too, because I think I've been transported back to my college days. This is what Ocean Beach looks like on a meager media budget. <laughs> no, I don't think that's the case. I think this is what Troy Johnson looks like post-divorce. This is definitely what I look like in my new singlehood, you know? This is like the, um, this is the phoenix not necessarily rising, but hovering above the ground barely. I got to be honest with you, though, Troy, as a married man with a child myself uh -huh. if things didn't work out for us like they didn't work out for you guys <laughs> this is exactly what i would be doing when i saw this place chris because i grew up in san diego surfing right sure you know? so i was basically i came down here and i'm like look i don't need much no I'm, I'm the guy i'm steve martin in the jerk i need this lamp i need yep. this you know paper clip I'm i get like, it i just need my surfboard a couch and a kitchen and that's what you got going on here that's it and i walked in and i'm like dang can i move in <laughs> i don't think my wife would be cool with that but this is exactly i hope my wife isn't listening right now but when you have those dialogue yeah every human being ha i'm sure she has them too yes. you know if this didn't work out what would i do on my own and this is ex i would move to the beach in a one-bedroom apartment absolutely and my ex would definitely 
definitely marry somebody with with starchier shirts and somebody who's you know got got their stuff together, together. and doesn't want to live in a one bedroom little I know. Like, you know cottage in Ocean Beach. I love this place more than anything. I used to hate Ocean Beach actually. I used to hate Ocean Beach because of the gutter punks. Man, I grew up in San Diego. I was sure, working, working like sixteen jobs. I used to see all these twenty five year old kids with more operable brain cells than me I on know. the street with a dog going, "Hey man, can I borrow two bucks?" I know. One for me and my dog, and I'm like, "Dude, I'm working three jobs." I know. There was that like Republican. is that still here though? Because I know because the GPKs, you know, the gutter punk kids yeah, from back yeah. in the day, they used to infuriate me also. But now when I come down here, it doesn't seem like that contingent is as present. Am I right? It is. You know, there's rumors about Ocean Beach. I mean, Ocean Beach is definitely on the up, which scares the hell out of me because I like a place that's got a little bit of seediness. Me too. I like a place that, you know, is a little bit rougher on the edges because A, I can afford it. Keeps the rent down. You know, and plus, I don't want something to just feel so stale and monetized yep. like Del Mar and things Dude, like that. Dude, that's how I feel as well because we live, it's interesting, we lived on the north side of Kensington for years, yeah. okay? Bought my first house out of radio. Yep. We lost that house during the recession, had been moving around. You and a thousand other people. Exactly. Bouncing around from rental to rental. Yep. And I got outpriced of the neighborhood where I used to live, North Kensington, mm-hmm. which I had already, I was already feeling a disconnect because it was right. becoming super Carmel Valley-ish, very white, yep. uppity, just too many white people. I used to say it all the time to my wife, man, there's so many white people here. I'm going crazy. I know. I hate myself too. And I, she I'm would say, she would say, Chris, you're white. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, but still. And since then we've moved to South Kensington or as they call it in the hood, yeah. Baja Kensington, which is closer to city heights. Okay. I have never flipping felt so alive and at home surrounded by blacks, Mexicans, Asians. I'm like, yes, my people, exactly, my people, other people, people other than me. I mean, yes, look, I I am, you know, a suburban white kid with marginal boredom in his life. And I don't want to see too many of me in the neighborhood. Yeah. And the thing about living in a rough area or rougher area in San Diego, there's just more. I don't know. There's more color. It just feels more alive. I mean, we lived in suburbia, my ex and I, and I would wake up every day and just see these perfect houses and their perfect rows, yoga pants after labradoodle after, you know, and I'm just like, oh, sh- shoot me. Shoot but me does it, face. I know, and I go through the same thing, yeah. but what do you think that is? Do you think that's related to, do you think you look at that lifestyle and your your mind is like, this is what I've become? Isn't it really more about you than it is about them, I guess is my point? It definitely is. I, f- I start feeling like I got put into a box. You know, I got, I got I feel like I just got packaged like an iPad of a human being, yeah. you know, in this nice little box next to this nice little box. I feel like I'm living the equivalent of a mall, of a retail yes. establishment. I am just a human in a box in a widget. Down here, you know, there's more architecture, there's more freaks, there's more, you know, like random things that go on. There's See, pirates. I love that stuff, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, motorcyclists ride by and I'm like, why'd you take off the muffler? You're never going to get her back because you took it off. I'm like, but I, I love you. <laughs> I still love you, man. Yeah. Let my crisis go. Yeah. You know? So I, I really love, and I grew up surfing. I grew up surfing here, you know? Like, so the beach culture is much more simplified. So where are you surfing down here? Are you doing the pier? I usually do the pier. So are ocean, you goofy? Ocean? No, I'm a regular. Oh. There's a 
little right. There's a little right. On the right. other side, right? No, or, it's actually on the pier. There's a nice little left that everybody sits yeah. on. And then there's a right that comes at it a little bit. And nobody oh, really sits on it. Okay. So I kind of got my own little right out here in OB. I'll have to uh, go out with you because truth be told, I never surf OB. Why? Cause, and cause, why did I just say that on your podcast? You have 5,000 people and they're going <laughs> to sit on my right. It, the reason is, though, is because you got to be local to surf down here. I know. And, and, and I really believe that. Yeah. I don't feel like I can come in from Baja Kensington and surf for the OB break on a day. I feel like I would have to do it kind of like I did in PB for a decade before I felt like I was localized at that break. Well, I, dude, I grew up in Pow- Poway and Pinasquitos. I've been a kook my entire life. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, here comes the Poway Exactly. Kid. He drove 35 minutes down to a dirt to the road beach. to get there. Yep. Like, yeah, I did, man. I love it. I you know. know. But I mean, down here, it is localized. I've actually almost gotten to a fight out in the water. Recently? Um, yeah. Yeah. I was about Tell two, us about it. I want to hear. Two and a half weeks ago, I was... Oh, so this is recent. Yeah, it was. Okay. I was sitting out there and a wave, just a perfect wave comes to me and this young ripper, he's just, he's blonde. He looks like something out of North Shore. You know, sure. he's, like, he's a he's sunglass model. You yeah. know, I we're mean, just old fat dudes to him. Totally. I would fuck him, you know, but you know, <laughs> like, I, I turn around and it's totally my wave. It's just coming right to Yeah, of Yeah, I have priority on this thing. He drops in on me and just takes off in front of me and everybody in the lineup is looking going wow dick. dick and he gets off and I go I go dude that's not cool come on man I'm like hey, you can surf but now you need to learn how to surf that's the thing like people are good at what they do but they don't respect the laws and the True. norms and traditions of things of you course know? you gotta respect it man of course so he goes he goes nah man you've been taking way too many good waves you know who are you you even live here man blah, 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 blah. literally no. comes over in gets in front of my face and like you know, starts to stalk me a little bit. And I said, I looked at him and I go, dude, you're the, ironically, the best surfer out here is you. And the biggest kook out here is also you. Yep. You know, and he just, he goes, oh, really? you want to play that game? So he sits on top of me. I thought he might throw a punch. He doesn't throw a punch. I'm just like, dude. Are you kidding? Just go. He away. actually touched you? No, no. But he oh, was, oh, I think he, he said sitting, he got. He was sitting right next to me, just like oh, basically okay. mad dogging me. Yeah. Giving me that look. And I was. See, like, I haven't had that exchange in a while. I'm like, just please don't hit me because I'm real. I'm not tough. Yeah. Like I, I speak words and sometimes they hurt and I'm apologizing now. Man. I shouldn't have done that. This is your break. I'm going to go home and read some poetry. Isn't that the curse, though, when it comes to people like uh, like me and you? You just don't realize how cutting your words can't. When you have that tongue and that gift of gab, that sometimes you don't realize how sharp the knives are. You know what thing, I mean? The only thing I got, man, is sometimes I need me to Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And I'm always having to, do you have to watch your voice? Are you always having to check yourself? Yeah. Well, you know, as, as I've gotten older, I don't have to watch it nearly as much because I'm just not as angry and angsty as I used to be. And Me I too. And I don't th- think so highly of my own opinion anymore. That's funny. You, know? you realize you're not special. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm nobody, man. Yeah, you know I mean? that's I how really, I feel about myself. I'm just another dude who can, you know, who has an ability to read and write and things like that. But I mean, I'm no no more special than anybody else out there. But you used to think off. you were something. Oh, dude, I had a huge attitude when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up here in the media, you know, when it, with, even with Fox Rock. Well, we knew each other, man. Yeah. And that's one thing that's so interesting to me about you, Troy, is that we came through in media together yeah and i actually for better or worse i kind of look at you as my media brother even yeah. though 
you never worked in radio and I never worked per se in print. Yeah, but we were part of that same landscape coming up. Yeah. At the exact same time. Yeah. And I also think we had the same fragile egos and the same insecurities and oh, had the same sure. struggles. Yeah. I mean, we still have them today, but yeah. then it was a different time. And I'm able to look back and go, man, I was such a douchebag. Like I remember in my mind going, oh, I got Troy coming on the radio. St- I got more going on than Troy. You know, not like it was this competitional, like but mean, yeah. like I always loved you and supported you. Same, but it's, but it's that young ego. You know, I would do the that same thing young with ego. you. I'm, a, I'm like, yeah, all right, Chris is doing that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, you know, you're just trying so hard to be the crab that gets closer to getting out of the bucket. Yeah, You know, man. you end up like kind of pulling each other down. But what was interesting though is I always rooted for you and cheered same. for your successes and you did the same yeah, with me. Exactly. But there was, I do remember a personal, there was some competition where I was always yeah. checking where you were at professionally. <laughs> like when you made it to national TV, I was yeah. like, all right, he wins. I'm out. <laughs> Even though I was on change of heart and love connection. You were I, on love connection? As, con- as a contestant. I love you. You anchored your own show on the Food no, Network. Bullshit. Therefore, you win. No way. You man. win. Love You're more connection. successful than me. Love connection kills it. <laughs> Dude, I got canned after one year. That was, a, yeah, that was a really interesting year. I mean, getting signed by Food Network. I mean, I thought that was it too. And I thought it was going to change my life. It yeah. doesn't change your life. I it mean, didn't, right? No, no. I mean, I get canned after one year. I mean, God bless them. They gave me an opportunity, you know, to, to do my own show. And to be quite honest with you, part of that show is crap. I loved doing it, but I was so nervous I to know. be on national I TV. Know. And I could see it. I know. I could see it. Yeah. But I could see it. And I said to myself, I, I don't think I could do better. Right. I'm being honest. Right, right. It's not like I yeah. saw, there are people I listen to on the radio that, mm-hmm. and it's not a dick or an egotistical statement when I say this, I know I'm better sure. than a lot of people that are currently employed on the radio. Right. Absolutely. When it came to... Well, are there people actually employed on the radio anyway? I don't know, man. That's a great question. <laughs> that being said, yeah. I remember looking at you on that Food Network show and saying, yeah, I don't think I can do a better job. Yeah. That's, that's probably about the bar I could get to, but Troy's better looking than me. <laughs> so he wins. I wasn't no. by see, I wasn't by episode nine though, man. Somebody actually looked at me on the episode nine after I've been out on the country eating fried chicken and burgers and everything else. I go, oh man, that guy's really let himself go. And I looked at that comment and I went, uh, I went, oh, you're fucking right. Uh, look at me. Look at me. I just had that kind of like you know, that blooming double chin. Yeah. That, that pasty I've been drinking on the road too much look. Yeah. You know, that but, sort of thing. So, but, but it was, you know, in terms of the TV, I wish I would have gotten that opportunity now. And now I have a new TV show on the Big Ten Network, which actually just won two awards. So what is that show? That's the shopping part of my ignorance here. It's a no, shopping it's thing. Okay, so Food Network, what I'm doing right now is I have um, Guy's Grocery Games with Guy Fieri. Okay. You know, so... They, so are you and this Guy guy, are you guys friends? We are friends, yeah. We've what does friends. that mean? What it's does a, that mean? Because he's the guy with the, the crazy hair. He's a polarizing figure. People love to hate on the guy, sure. right? Absolutely. Well, you know, Guy knew this going in. He Guy was... Fieri is this spiky blonde hair yeah. guy on Food Network. He is basically Food Network. I mean, I think he, he's responsible for half that the revenue maybe of the network. I don't know what it is. I'm just shooting out. But I mean, he is the network right now, right? And how did you sync up with him? So, you know, it's funny. It's like uh, when I have my own TV show, one of the, the um, programming directors over at Food Network who had left to start the production company that was doing Guy's Grocery Games. Oh. And he called me and said, hey, I really liked you on Crave, which was my own show on Food Network. 
He goes, why don't you come up and be a judge on our first season with Guy Fieri? First time you meet Guy Fieri, you see why this guy's a star. He has that magnetism that's just absolutely- Just lights up a room. Intimidating. I mean, really? Intimidating. In what sense? He's a really nice guy, but he's just got a huge personality. And you can it just see takes his, over the room. Takes over the room. You can see his mind moving 400 billion Ugh. miles a minute. You know, and you just- you're Next like, level shit. Yeah, it's next level shit. Like literally, I talked to one of the, the um, producers of um, what he did next Food Network star. And they said the hardest thing with Guy was not telling him on the second episode of that competition that he'd already won. That good. That and, good yeah. and that over the top. He's just funny. He's funny. He's smart. So yeah. you got synced to him through your time on the Food Network with yeah. your original show. And the funny thing is, I got called into his trailer the first day I got there and he goes, I fucking hate food critics. He goes, they told me that you were going to be on here. I wanted you off. You basically have one episode to prove to me that you're not a douche. Shut up. I swear to God. I swear to God. And I looked at him, gulped. I mean, I think I swallowed my nuts. You know, I mean. It just, I just swallowed my nuts. I, I just, I, I went, yes, sir. And, you know, I, I just, the way that I was talking about food, and thank God I got a poetry degree, which I thought was totally useless when I, when I started out. But, I mean, I was able to make metaphors about food, and it kind of made him laugh. That Where did you get time. a poetry degree from? I got a poetry degree from Ch from Chico State. That's right. Chico up north. Dude, I remember that. I was that. the least employable college graduate in 700 years. Oh my years. gosh. What are you going to do with a poetry, poetry degree? Poetry. I didn't even know that. I mean, That's hysterical, Good Walt luck Whitman. in jail, kid. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> you know, wow. but instead of just saying like... Go work for Hallmark? What do I, you do with that? Dude, I, I started as a resume writer when I got back down in yeah. San Diego. Because it had the word writing in it. I was writing resumes. Jeez. You know, I was writing resumes for a woman at Home Depot who had picked up Perry Farrell hitchhiking and she brought me photos of him um, doing Come on. certain things, word of God, doing certain things in her house, living with her kids for two days. And, and you had to write a resume for that person? Yeah, she wanted a job at Costco. Totally unrelated, but I mean, yeah. So anyways, I did that. But I mean, poetry really helped me out, honestly. It was the one thing that separated me in my career. Yeah, I could see that. Because instead of... And but it makes sense, because I was always like, damn, dude, Troy, with the metaphors and the analogies, <laughs> that always was your shtick, and now I'm getting more contact. Okay, yeah. now so, it makes sense. I would get... My first show I would get back for um, Food Network I'd actually get back um, notes that said Troy everything cannot be like something else like right. talk like a fucking human being right and I was like okay okay I get that you know but it also helped me because I'm yeah. like, you know what I would do is I'd say you know I wouldn't say this burger is rich I'd say like the eating this burger is like eating Morgan Freeman's voice right you know and that's a difference you know that's a, see I think that's cool and that's yeah. not necessarily an analogy I would make or I love that shit yeah, and that's stuff right? I do on the radio it's irreverent for me it's just fun you and know, fun it's, 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 it, it, the way that you talk about music or the way you talk about food something that's kind of like you know nebulous you know it's kind of aesthetic you know it's not hardcore facts and figures and things like that you know the only way you can make it interesting is to make a fucking metaphor yeah you know is to put it make in it your own yeah. it's how your voice and how yeah. you deliver the content at the end of the day the content's all the same yeah, make people think about it fucking differently you know it's interesting yeah so so backtracking a little bit you grew up because your story is so fascinating you grew up were you born in San Diego? I was born and raised in San Diego. I was the biggest baby ever born at Scripps Hospital at that point in time. 11 pounds, 4 ounces. Damn, dude. Straight down Main Street is two. Sorry, Mom. Um, no C-section. My mother later became a lesbian. I would, too. Okay, so that was that was <laughs> later then, when yeah. your mom... Okay, because you wrote... What was the book you wrote? Okay, so I, I wrote a book called... Which I hated the fucking title. I wrote a... Decided to write a comedy about growing up as a straight kid of a gay parent in the Reagan 80s when there was no gays. Right. You know, I mean, there were 
gays, of course, but they were pushed under the carpet and in the closet. Yeah, you, you know? were supposed to be afraid of them. Yeah, of course. Like, hey, they carry AIDS. They have disease. Absolutely. AIDS had just come out. Yeah, I remember. I mean, there was no normalization of the gay culture. Right? No. So everybody that I grew up with talking about my mom was basically saying, you know, she's sexually broken. She might fuck the toaster and or you at right. any point in time. So, so... Where is your? When did your dad take off? Or what? Dad, mom and dad got divorced when I was three. Three. You know, he lived okay. in ranch. He lived in uh, Scripps Ranch. My mom lived in PQ, and my mom raised me. I mean, great. I mean, both really great present parents, you know. But she came out of the closet when I was ten, mm. and she didn't actually come out of the closet. Her ex spurned lover came over before school one day and said, "Hi, Troy. We need to talk to you about something. Your mom's gay." Wait, who did this now? Her ex lover. Her ex male. No. Oh, female, female. Yeah, oh, she been a fuck. I mean, I was alone. I didn't know what that. How old were you? I was nine, ten years old. My kid's age. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what gay was. Oh, I didn't know what sex. That hurts me, was. dude. Oh, dude. So it was crazy. So that my, hurts. My dad me. gets this call at his dental office. So does your dad know at this point? Yeah, my dad knew. I Did think, your dad know that's why he let she left him, or I vice versa? I don't think so. I think you know maybe you never know. I talked to my mom about it. She didn't really said she didn't really know she was gay. You know, she she said she basically just figured it out as yeah. she went along in life. She said she fell in love. Whatever. With yeah. You know, that was it. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, I think my mom always had that tendency. Sure. You know, whatever. I think everybody's kind of. I, I go the Kinsey scale. I don't think anybody's born a hundred. I agree. Except I for agree. Ted Nugent, nobody's born a hundred. <laughs> I know? agree with you, man. I remember questioning my own sexuality when I was younger because I was able to find other dudes attractive. Totally. Well, here's the, here's the book. The book was about it was about the awkwardness of going through puberty as yeah. the son of a great gay parent. Hey, at the time you didn't want to be gay no no they weren't uh, getting treated well you know i mean it was like choosing to be black in 1930s alabama i know you know it did a very rough rough life i know and i was like you know is there some kind of dna though is there some kind of genetic goof that maybe got dripped down into me and then maybe i'm going to be gay later on in life yeah you that's know? what i used to think if uh, i mean this is again dating back to the 80s like if you got too close to a guy in a locker room was that going to turn you gay yeah, right. and i thought that once you turn gay that gay people made AIDS. Like I thought <laughs> when gay people had sex, yeah. they made it. Like it was like no a chemistry experiment. <laughs> like we made AIDS. You got it. I got it. I mean, I shouldn't be laughing at AIDS, but it's true. I mean, serious. I mean, it's crazy. Nobody knew. Nobody knew anything about the gay lifestyles. So we had all these rumors, all these innuendos. Dude, so as a they kid, were, how did, did that locusts. fuck with your head though? So it was really, I mean, it definitely fucked with my head. You know I mean? I ended up, you know, I ended up in like a basically an arrested development a youth home for like oh. two months in high, high school with some really crazy kids. Why um, though? How did that happen? Okay, so 15 years old, I got caught doing something. I got put on on um, rest restriction. I had a date with this girl who had just a beautiful, beautiful everything. Right. You know, she just had great breasts and she had everything. And, and when you're 15, breasts are all that matter. That's it. Yeah. I mean, That's it. I was like, you know what? I, I need to go out with, on this date with this girl. And my dad's like, no, you're, you're, you're busted. You're, you're restricted. You can't go out there. I'm like, she's only in town for two days, dad. Come on. Like, I figured my dad was a pushover. I was like, this is going to happen. Right. So he said, no. So I took a steak knife and put it to my gut. And Come I, on. I, I faked it. I had no intention of killing myself at all. I just thought, hey, I know the dramatic shit makes par parents, you know, like pay attention. Come on. I did it. I stuck it to my gut. 
about a day later, or half day later, an ambulance shows up at my my uh, mom's home and says, "Hey, we're gonna take you down to this little group home, and we're gonna." Oh talk my to god! Ended up staying there. So you weren't really suicidal, then? No, I was never suicidal. No, I mean, you know it's funny because I've dealt with on and off with depression my entire life. I have too. I think it's what fuels my creativity. Me too. To be quite honest with you. Me too. The gifts, the what limited gifts that I've been able to have, ironically, come from somewhat of a dark place. Me too. You know, and that's, you know, and it's helped me in my life. It's hindered me. Yes. So, so yeah, so I've dealt with that, but I've never been suicidal. Me neither. When Chris Cornell died, when Chris Cornell committed suicide, I put out something on Facebook and said, hey, you know what, it's really at home with me because I've dealt with depression my entire life, you know, and it's something that I've learned how to manage, you know, but there are some people out there that you don't, that can't manage. I know. You know, and Chris managed it for years. I I mean, decades. He had a family, he had a support system, and you never know how far away that dark veil is. I know. That moment that you say, it's not worth it anymore. I've never been there personally, but I can't say how far that is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but I always fall back on this because Cornell's death hit me really hard as well. And I did see your Facebook post too. And uh, what's interesting to me is I looked at it and I said, wow, as dark and, and as scary as a place of I've gone and gotten to in my day, I just, I'm too scared of death to take my own life. Same. That's the same. I honestly, I don't have the guts. You know, that's I mean, not, me. Really, I, I, I don't have the balls to do yeah, it. I'm too afraid of dying. I'm totally. a hypochondriac. <laughs> what hypochondriac kills himself? Oh, Hypochondriacs shit. are scared of dying. This place isn't even that clean. I feel bad for you. No, I'm not that over the top. <laughs> but yeah, it's, so tell me though, when did you notice? Because I'm, I've only recently come forward and started talking about candidly like I've always mentioned I have anxiety issues but as far as the depression side of it that's something I'm only recently coming forward and kind of discussing it's fucking tough isn't it though man it really is I'm glad that we're having this conversation I'm fine with it and I'm fine with it now too you know I mean didn't used to be that way no I thought it was a stigma I thought it was a stain on my intellect me too I used to I used to hide pills like I had to take pills in my late 20s yeah for sure I hid them from my mom because I was afraid of the judgments I was going to get from my own mother from your own mother my own mother other about and, depression and anxiety and, she, and I'm sure she would have been totally supportive about it you know, of course we, it's just something we can't talk about which is so interesting to me is we you know we can talk about liver disease we can talk about you know um, cancer. cancer we can talk about heart disease anything else but it has to do with the brain it has to do with the intellect it has to do with the emotions you know you just you're, you're afraid of being pigeonholed as this broken person I know anything done I know. You know and I think it's awesome because then you see something like Chris Cornell you see somebody like yourself who's had a great career in radio you know and media and everything else you know have success no we're not broken people. No. We just suffer from, you know, anxiety, bad wiring, whatever it is. There's a cloud that follows us around. Damn. You know? And it's I, so true, man. I really, when did you first notice the cloud? Uh, 24. I was right, right when I was graduated from Jesus college. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> About the same time. Same age. Yeah. I think it was, you know, it, it was a mix, you know. It was a mix of, you know, doing drugs and doing, you know, um, alcohol. I'm sure those things never really helped. But I think I had something at, at, at a young age anyways. I had a rage in me. They used to call me the Hulk when I was a kid. You know, I would be really nice. I was also the, the kid that would, like, stand up for kids who were getting... Um, You're passive-aggressive, like myself. Yeah, right? I would yeah. stand up for the kids who were getting bullied. Me too. You know, but then... I, I still would, do. And then, but some small injustice would befall me and I'd be like Rah! 
fuck you, dad. You know, yeah. I'm just so angry. So I think Me too. I always had something like that. And then 24, I started getting these panic attacks. I started getting, I mean, literally. Oh, Troy. Oh, dude, dude, did you listen to my last podcast no. about Chris Cornell? No. You're telling my flipping story, bro. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, same thing happened. Twenty four panic attacks out of college, professional life. Yeah, I feel like I had done everything I was supposed to do. Looked at my life. I'm like, where am I now? Yep. And all of a sudden, panic attacks started happening. Where you ever fall to your knees and you think the world's closing in on closing you? Closing in. Yep, that yeah. tunnel. Yeah, that tunnel. Oh my god, that out tunnel. of your outer body experience. Literally, literally. literally. If you haven't had a panic attack, you, you cannot understand how it just feels as if the Grim Reaper has just like wrapped its cloak around you and it's just squeezing you're defenseless you're like just fuck i had no idea what was going on i know on. i was sitting in a movie theater the first time it happened and i just i mean literally it's like vertigo and the tunnel vision everything else all of it and then for so i, I put it off for a year man i mean i was like no way no way i'm gonna take drugs no way i'm gonna take packs on no way i'm gonna do anything like that yeah you know i'm too smart for that i'm too that strong. was me i'm too proud that was me you know and then finally i went into my doctor it was one night one day i was just sitting and i went i, I went to my doctor and you could see like the dark circles under my eyes and, I, and i'm like dude doc all right fine i gotta talk to someone about this I can't even think it was like static in my brain yep. you know my brain had just kind of shut off a little bit because from the anxiety and he said dude if I told you you had a liver problem would you take drugs you know and I'm like yeah he's like try Paxil just for a little bit so I did and it absolutely saved me I mean really <laughs> that was my drug yeah, I mean that was I it I took Paxil same conversation yep. with the doctor same age I took the Paxil. I know how the story goes, so continue. Yeah, so it, so it absolutely saved it my worked. life. It worked. Saved my life. Absolutely. Me too. It stopped me from like thinking, you know, what I, I get in these circular thoughts, man. I, I, when something bad happens, I think about it over and over and me over. Me too. And intensify the, the, the shittiness of it. Yep. You know, it's like- The oh, OCD. That, that's the OCD. Yeah. Is it not shitty enough? Oh, let me think about this for about four and a half hours and think about it, make it shittier and shittier and shittier. Yep. You know, and I, that, that stopped me from doing that. And I'm not saying that drugs are for everybody. I don't, you know, look, I- done yoga. I stopped taking Paxil. Yeah, I don't so, take prescription yeah. meds anymore yeah, so did i you know and that's what you know when i stopped you know i had to do like surfing i had to do yoga yes. i had to do meditation meditation yes. actually really helps me out a lot i haven't introduced that into my life yet because yeah. i've been treating it with for many years now and i didn't really because for many years it was a oh cantori's a stoner yeah, yeah yeah and then i learned no cantori's off paxil mm -hmm. and this is how cantori is self-medicating exactly that word is terribly overused yeah and but, but it's true it is what it is yeah I mean, and i had been for years self-medicating and yeah. not not a healthy way to self-medicate right you know needless to say i've made alterations to that program if you will sure. but essentially but, but weed is probably so much better dude, than, than drugs cbds the cbd CB, the yeah. non-psychoactive component of the cb you know the plant absolutely the cbd a little gummy here and there a little yeah. hit on a vape pen we have all this paranoid reefer madness old 1970s anti-drug war you know ideas about this and i don't smoke it just doesn't no it, 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 it never worked for me i used to write for high times i did smoke you know but <laughs> but then it's then i started getting paranoid on yeah. it you know so i stopped. well that's the yeah, so I stopped. But there's so much paranoia about this plant. This plant is so helpful. I was talking to Jason Mraz. Uh, just did a story on him. Is he a big weed guy? Well, he's... I, I know publicly. I don't, I don't know. I, don't I really know don't know. If, I don't know if he is or not, but he's a farmer up in 
um, Oceanside. Right? Or, yeah, yeah, Fallbrook, Oceanside. And so he grows avocados. He sells them to Chipotle. He's done really well. But he told me, he's like, look, man, we make, as an avocado grower, a good year, $8,000 per acre on avocados. Weed right now, cannabis, he's like, I'm not talking about getting people high everywhere. You know, he's like, I'm just talking about growing it to save farmers who are struggling right now in San Diego. The land use, the water um, uh, prices and labor prices have all oh, gone it's up. ridiculous. Our farmers cannot stay in business. He's like, an acre of weed right now, $4.4 million a year. To the same 8000 As opposed to 8000 for avocado. $4.4 million. He's like, he's like, dude, so if we if if we had a vision in San Diego to let farmers plant like one acre, you could take half that money and pave the roads of the city. Damn. And then farmers could stay in business. Build your grow. bullshit stadiums. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we could have a basketball team again. I know. What the fuck? Let's get professional, like, you know, synchronized swimming. We'll get esoteric yep. on that shit. We'll have so much money. <laughs> and it's so true. Man, yeah. so when did you really figure out how to manage your, your depression and your anxiety? You know, it's just something that Paxil really helped bridge that gap for me. You know, and then you know, did you I, deal with weight gain with Paxil? That's the thing that got me, dude. I put on fifty pounds overnight. I was never able to get rid of it. No, dude. I just never wanted to have sex. That's the other thing. <laughs> but dude, you would last four days, which is pretty awesome. I used to be a two pump chump, and then I was fucking marathon man on Paxil. That was beautiful. So my true. 20s were great. There dude. are again. My every, 20s were great yeah, for that. Every every dark cloud's got a rainbow, man. Yes. There's always that silver lining. Yes. Yeah. So I, I learned how to basically. I learned that it was exercise and diet for me. You know, and yeah. meditation honestly helped me a lot. I tried to meditate for years. And I couldn't do it. I was me like, neither. What, what is this sitting shit? I know. Like, I'm bored. And that's when I realized finally, after reading and reading and studying and studying it and everything else, I'm like, that is the point. Is to, to be bored. Is to the very point is to learn to be bored. I know. You know, because I have so many things going on in my head it's so much you hear how fast I talk I mean it's just bam, 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 bam. I know. You know I have so many thoughts going on you know that when I finally learned to just let those thoughts go man it was one of the most transforming things that ever happened okay so now you're saying very insightful shit and stuff that I've learned through my trajectory and we're the same age so I know a lot of it is attached to you know life experiences and wisdom but I'm curious have you gone like a lot of the stuff I've learned has been out of therapy to be honest with you yeah. dude like all of my lessons I've had to go and seek help yep. to put the pieces together have you been able to come to these things on your own or See, I, I'm cheap because I mean, props I, to you I wasn't able to do yeah. it That's if anything I'm saying if you were much I respect did, I didn't come to them on my own I turned to books I'm reader okay you know so i read meditation books i read yoga books i read you know i read uh, this the you know um, science behind depression and anxiety yeah. and things like that because you know a lot and i had to yeah. go to people to figure this shit out yeah because even surfing do you know why you surf yeah, the same, dude. Why do you surf? Well, see, for me, it's just that total detachment. I mean, it's absolute detachment. I don't think about anything. I stare at the horizon. It's just slowly waving, and I have to be in the moment at all You just times. said it. Yeah. That's it. It forces you to be present. Then there's another component. The flickering of the sun on the waves, exactly. the moving of the ocean. That keeps all the all those things where you see, you talk a mile a minute, and your brain's always going to You don't have time to think when you're too busy focusing on that dolphin and exactly. the sparkles and the move of the water. And whoa, what the water feels like. Exactly. All those senses being stimulated at once slows down that crazy mind that you're talking about. Totally. And I, I, I've, I've learned, that's why every time that I get out of a bad relationship, 
relationship or something like that. Not a bad relationship. If I ever get out of a relationship, I always move to a little place by the beach. This is my comfort zone, man. And yeah. when you get out there in Me the water, too. that being in the present, everybody tries to quantify it in surfing. And it's like that hippy dippy, you know, like, oh, it's soul. It's like in God's hands. It's like, you know, it's, it's true. true. It's Absolutely. True. I'm it. You just it's, it's saved my life. It's like a hyper. It's like one of the, being one of those hyperbaric chambers, you know, where you, they actually close off the senses, yeah. you know, and 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 they sleep in darkness. Yeah, I've never been in one, but I imagine it's somewhat similar. I agree. You turn off all the extra sensory bullshit. Yep. and just react to this moving, fluid piece of nature coming. I know, you. man. Yeah, it's, that's it. Yeah, I can't say it any better than you just said it right yeah. there. So I mean, that's why. So that really, really helped me. Okay, so let's talk about, and I'm sure it's not a great conversation point but failed relationships so when it comes to your and i'm not afraid bringing it up because no. i see like props to you dude you address your your divorce on twitter my ex-wife you make jokes yeah. about it i'm like dude you're pretty far along talk to me to. yeah you know at the end of the day I, mean, you, I never have anything bad to say about my ex i have the only thing i have bad to say is about us you yeah. know just two totally different conflict resolution styles and comedy is the only way i get through shit man yeah like humor is the only way i I, I managed to get through stuff and you have to be able to talk about it. I mean, you know, my ex par and I, she's fantastic. She's an A type lawyer, really highly successful, beautiful, you know, a great mom, everything else, yep. you know, but you know, when we get into arguments, we just couldn't, you know, we couldn't resolve it. Yeah. I am not an A type. I yep. am very much a B type. Yep. You know, I just like, oh, okay, all right, whatever. Oh, Cruz, you know? whatever. So honestly, I know, at the end of the man. day, oh, you know, we should the, be roommates, bro. <laughs> We'd be great roommates. <laughs> We would never fight. Well, it would just be like, hey, Chris is being Chris and Troy is being Troy. <laughs> so true. That's I, all you want, right? Don't you just want to be left alone? Just be happy, happy. Happy. Just, I just want to be happy all the time. I think apathy is my new word. You know? Apathy. It's like happy apathy. Like, I mean, I'm kind of like, I don't care, man. That's fine. I, I'm just let's be happy. Let's just be happy. Let's Dude, be that's me. And you it's know? so interesting to hear this because yeah. with looking at my trajectory between home loss, financial loss, my wife gets breast cancer everything that gets thrown yeah. at me I'm just like is that really an issue or you know who fucking cares right. in the it's big picture life. let's get over it and be yeah. happy yeah. and if you can't figure that out then the relationship's over exactly and thankfully my wife and I have figured out how to find that happiness yeah. but if we weren't it, it'd be the same place, you know. I am yeah. sure we'd be in the same place. And it was fucking rough. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, I have a five-year-old daughter, and I, I mean, she's almost six now. And you know, I there was no way I wanted her to be in an abandoned child, you know. And I, I was like, I I stayed in the relationship way too long, even. Yeah. You know, for the for my daughter. And sure. Then one day. I saw that our arguments were starting to tr to kind of affect her. Yep. And that's when I said, okay, that's no longer a good reason yep. to stay because this is a our our inability to get along. Yep. Is having is, an impact on is the kid. Having an impact on the kid. I'm like, I'd rather par my ex be happy yep. and healthy and be in a relationship dude and that's, that's so awesome. brave and mature of you to say because not a lot of men it's scary as shit dude and not a lot of men will admit that yeah. you know have we had fights in front of our kids absolutely man yeah. and there are times where I'm like god dang you know the impact it'll have but at the end of the day all the kids want to see is their parents getting along in a working situation at home totally so if you can't make it work then go your separate ways and make it work exactly yeah and, and that's, that's it and that's where we're at now we're no I see it from Aside from the sidelines, parenting. We went to Legoland together. My ex, my myself, and my daughter. Is that awkward? You no, know, you know it wasn't actually. We had a really good conversation. We were always good friends. Yeah. I just I wasn't the right partner for her. Yeah. You know, I 
I mean, I can be a little bit slobby. I can be forgetful. You know, I can be, you know. That's what drives my wife crazy about me, man. Totally. Two, you know, three kids at home. Exactly. And I, and my poor ex, I mean, she did. I get she, it. Yeah. I was like, I, but I can't at this point. I'm 43 years old. This is what you signed up for. I know. I'm like, I can't. I would love to say that I'm going to be changed. I'm going to change. You're not. not. Nope. That's same. Th- I'm 47 now, yeah. dude. And I'm like, this is who I am. Totally. Have you had this also, though, with, with not only relationships with your wife or women but what about with your friends is the same thing kind of happen where i'm like you know what dude this is who i fucking am and if you can't accept me at this point as who i am then maybe we shouldn't be friends oh yeah does that happen to you too is that happening oh yeah oh i've, I've definitely well, i've learned how to say no you know at this point in my life I've yeah learned how to let go you know that's a great thing about getting older nobody really um uh, notices when you become a hermetic sh- you know like you know hideaway yeah you know? like i'm like oh i haven't called you in two years it's probably because we didn't get along that well yeah you know i'm so, or I'm dealing with my own shit. Or I'm dealing with my own shit. Exactly. Yeah. And how yeah. can you take that personal? Yeah, exactly. So I learned how to, you know, like find the relationships that aren't working for me and I and be like, yeah. So what is so what is next for you? What is the plan, man? So my plan now, so I still have Guys Grocery Games. You know, every Sunday night it comes on Food Network and I'm like on half the episodes, I think. Yeah. You know, and then this show for Big Ten Network, Campus Eats. Uh, we just filmed, finished recording seven weeks on the road, the Big Ten College Towns, doing the best restaurants in those towns. So who's we? Me and a girl named Jenny Dell. She's my spirit animal. She is just, she is an incredibly beautiful sideline reporter for, yeah. the, for the NFL but she's a dude she's I mean and I say that in the most respectful way yeah. you know I love women and I love their characteristics but you know when you meet that girl that you're just like this doesn't even feel there's nothing there's no sexual tension there's yep. no attraction it's just like you're my buddy yeah you know I love that's my friend Amber who I used to work with at the UT yeah. same relationship she was hot dudes loved her yeah she's my buddy man she's like a dude and that's it I'm yeah. along her wing women. so we get along really well on camp and so this show Camp Seats you know and I didn't know if it was going to work the first year it just won two big awards shut up yeah big beat out espn for the college media awards and then there was a athlon media so part of my ignorance it's already been on for a season so it was on it's fine your ignorance because big 10 network no that's not here get it unless you went to big 10 okay you know so it already aired it already aired last season got it just recorded the second season and when we were out there it's funny because in san diego nobody really has a big 10 network right you went to ohio state penn state that sort of thing sure um you know and we went back out to film in wisconsin and everything people were coming out of the woodwork so like, no, oh, the camp sees guys. Ah, no. Like, oh my God, people here have the channel. Yeah, that's right classic. You know, and it's just, you know, it's not, it's not an ego thing. It's just like, thank you for like paying attention. Of to course. Something that we worked our asses, asses off, off on. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I put up a podcast. I get fired up, dude, when people are like really enjoyed it and thank you. It just, it makes you realize that at least people are absorbing and engaging with your content exactly. and what you're putting out there is scaling. Yes, because I mean, you know, this is being a media too. I mean, a lot of it is like, is, is um, very lonely, uh, tiresome work. When oh, you're creating gosh. stuff, you're writing, you're, you're uh, in the radio, you're in the studio, Ugh. you're editing, you're doing that sort of stuff. And then finally it gets released to the public and that's where our connection comes. I right? know. And we hope that we make a connection, start a conversation. And sometimes you don't. Yeah. And sometimes totally. you do. Totally. You know, and that's it's, one of the, you gotta keep moving forward, bud. Exactly. And that's the thing that I, you know, I've noticed is like, fuck, I've written some stuff, you know, that I thought was like, you know, James Beard award winning food journalism about you know ecology and things like that and I'm like oh my god this is a great story flat lines when I, I release it right and then I'll, I'll post pictures of uh, you know photos of a new restaurant and it'll get like 7,000 shares or like, a fucking burrito I know I'm like oh my god <laughs> 
I know. Just I worked for decades on that story. The three people read, but you put up a picture of a California burrito and it goes viral. <laughs> I know, man. Damn. So that's so. Anyways, as I have ADD, but that's next. So we're basically I have the recording studio stuff here on my couch. I'm going to do the voiceovers for that TV show. Here. So when you go into these college towns, dude, you know I hope your ex isn't listening, but he's able to. <laughs> You know, come on, dude. Are you? You know where I'm going. Yeah. Hey, hey, what's up, baby? Not, not at all, dude. I'll tell you. Come on. We have ended up. I'm 22 year old coeds. I'm, I'm being dead serious <laughs> when I say this. We have ended up, man, in some bars just because we want to get in like the college culture. Of course. Right? So at the end of the night, we ended up in one bar. It was like this dance club of 22 year old Ohio State kids, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm the creepy. I'm creeping myself. Out. Yeah. You know, I'm 43 years old, and I was dancing, making sure not to make eye contact with any of these co-eds. You know, I'm just like somebody's dad. That's you know? awesome. I'm just, and I felt so awkward, but we had like a know. couple young crew members that they wanted to go out. I'm like, you know what, whatever, we'll go. But I mean, literally, it was like, I, you could see I was the guy there that like kept my hands like close to my body like, yep. to make sure I didn't brush up against anybody. People used to make fun of me at the radio station. Anytime hot 22-year-old promo girls would come mm -hmm. by, I'd do the hover hand or the hover <laughs> arm. I would never touch them because I was afraid that I'd violate something <laughs> or get pegged as something. But so, uh, so true. So that's that, you know. And then, and then you got San Diego Mag, right? Yeah, San, yeah. So San Diego Magazine, man, it's been great. I mean, we've been doing the, the Happy Half Hour podcast, but for them, we've been doing, um, you know, food coverage. I mean, it, it, they really—that's a great organization because they really give me my, you know, a freedom, and they give me good guidance too. I mean, yeah. it's been really cool. They never told me to do anything for advertising. They never do anything. They just let me cover food. That's what I've been wanting to do my entire life. Yeah. You know. Um. But then, really, what I'm doing now is I'm re-editing that book. So my my book was the called. Book? Family outing. What happened? When I oh yeah, you never even said what the name of it was. That was so traumatizing. I got it too. That's just why I didn't even yeah. trip on it. So family outing. What happened? I found out my mother was gay. I fucking hated that title. I never wanted it. I wanted it to be called "Son of a Butch: The Undoing of an American Bigot." You know, and that's what it's going to be called. Oh, I, I love "Son of a Butch." Is great because I was a son of a bitch. I was a son of a bitch to my mom, and literally, I had to learn not to be a bigot against gays. Yeah. You know, so it really is like I'm the uh, un doing of my own stupidity and you know and, and you know um, small mindedness yeah especially coming out of the 80s exactly so I mean I'm re-editing it and maybe, dude to me this has Netflix series written all over it I'm hoping man so I'm right about two thirds of the way through I'm gonna put it back out um, on my own I had a publisher before same guy that edited William Burroughs Naked Lunch he was fantastic yeah he was fantastic Damn. man he loved my book but it came out in 2008 when the economy collapsed their um, publishing house went bankrupt he yeah. died a couple years later. The book just died on because it had because the economy died. It's not a bad idea to yeah. bring it back, so, man. Yeah, so so you rewriting it I'm or rewriting, adding a couple more chapters? I'm re-editing it. Smart because literally at the end of the day, like this too. Like I've got a little bit more philosophical about you know gay rights and everything else. I mean, it's really important to me. Yeah, and it's constantly moving. Yeah, and it's you know it, I, I went too much for the joke in the first mm. rounds, you know, and that's been at one. And I remember that. Yeah. And I remember that. And I went too much of the joke and I went, you know what? I just need to mature this writing a little bit. Humanize just, it more. Yeah, humanize it. And you still let it be funny, you know, but you don't have to always go for the punchline, man. Well, dude, I'm rooting for you. You know that always Thank have you, been, brother. even when we were fucking lame and in our head and ego driven <laughs> and weird and positioning us against each other or whatever. It wouldn't I've, lead to humility if we weren't that. Exactly, you know? man. I, I really am a huge fan, Troy, Same. and I wish you the best with your with your family and your trajectory and everything dude thank you brother